Maybe I don't have a keyboard and a kickstand. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You can quote me on this. If you see a kickstand, they've blown it. (laughs) Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is episode 16, the WWDC Predictions Edition. So guys, WWDC is almost here. Are you guys pumped? I can't wait. And this is like this time of year. Yeah, it's like Christmas time, so very excited to see what kind of new toys and new platforms we get to develop for. Yeah, it's definitely the nerd Christmas for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a little disappointed that we won't be there in person this year, but it'll definitely, we're going to have a big group surrounded around the TV to watch the keynote and and the videos um, that same week. So we're excited about it. Yeah, unfortunately the keynote ends kind of late Eastern time, at least as far as the, the first keynote the developer tools one state of the, oh, the union. state of the union yeah that goes a lot later on eastern time i believe some of these will be live streamed as well some of the actual sessions too from what i've heard yep that's the the rumor so so what so what do you guys think we're gonna get well, maybe let's start with new developer type stuff Seems like a good a good thing that we that we actually might have some knowledge on predicting or something like that. Well, the, the obvious things every year is a new version of Xcode. Yeah, although sometimes it's a question between whether it's going to be a point release of Xcode or a full version bump. But lately, it's definitely been a full version bump. Yep, and we're on six four now, so probably makes sense that it's going to get bumped to 7. Not quite sure what will be new. Do you guys have any predictions about what we'll see in Xcode 7? Or uh, anything on your wish list? <laughs> on my wish list, much better Swift support. I'm sure that'll be there. I'd like a, a mode where you can where it just looks at the file system and you don't have to manage all the groups, but that I know that's never going to happen. I'll put it on the wish list, though. <laughs> <laughs> or just something that makes it easy to move things into folders rather than into the virtual groups. Yeah, that would be nice. There's a command line tool that can help out with that a little bit, but it would be nice if there was something built in. Yeah, and that command line tool works all right, and you can even kind of hack it up to switch it over to, say, to use git move commands. But Xcode doesn't like the history on that kind of thing. doesn't like looking at the history for that file if it's been moved. Uh, I think what I'm most excited for that I'm hoping for in Xcode 7 is better vector graphics support so we can get away from all the various image sizes and, and improve that workflow between the designer and the developer. Yeah. I mean, already there's the PDF format, but I don't know why they didn't just add in straight up SVGA or SVG. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think it's a incremental approach that 
that was the step one of of many to improve it you know with the PDF approach at the end of the day all it does is generate the graphic set before as part of the build process which is right. better That's but but not great and you got to make sure the PDF is the right size so it's I think there's better tools built into Photoshop and Sketch right now to generate your graphic assets for you. But I'm hopeful yeah. that Xcode 7, uh, we can just have vectors and, and be done with it. I would like iOS 9 to support vectors natively. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it might be in Xcode too, but there's some hardcore UI image support that would have to to go in, in there too. Yeah. 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 Well, if it's a straight vector and not a, a pre-rendered raster graphic. Yeah. So uh, Swift 2.0, think we'll see that or you think it'll be another iteration of Swift like 1.3? I'm sure we'll get a bump. I don't know if it'll be a 2.0 or not, but you know, a few things that I'm hoping to see there is a uh, is a first-class reflection API. Um, for me, that's probably the biggest thing outside of stability. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they implement a reflection API. Yeah, I mean, in essence, you have it now where you can drop back down to Objective C and use, but it's. It's not perfect yet. Um, Isn't that only if you inherit from NS Object though? NS Object, or you do the add Object C okay. annotations. You can give get, you get some of the dynamic behavior, the key value coding, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, but then that limits what you can do Swift wise as well. Yeah, it it feels wrong to do that and you know if you're if you're trying to build a pure swift app to to have to drop down to objective c um concepts yeah. i i think is is not ideal i definitely like to see what kind of frameworks we could build with a reflection api that's native to swift you know things like data mapping and um you know you know things like dynamic proxies to do interesting things with with frameworks would be very cool. Mm -hmm. you know, things, yeah. you know, thinking back to my Java days and being able to do injection and security uh, aspects to code without necessarily baking it into your model objects. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot of iterations on existing things out there. Probably SpriteKit. Maybe we'll see an actual home kit ready for hardware makers to use. And I'll be curious to see if there's any native Swift libraries that Apple introduces this year as well, or replacing an, an existing framework like Core Data with something that's native to Swift. I don't know if I'll hold, hold my breath for that, but I uh, definitely would demonstrate that Apple's embrace Swift internally if they could do something like that. Well, yeah, I, I think any Swift-based library would be kind of cool to see, like, how does Apple think we should be 
writing their Swift code. I expect we'll see sessions this year on design patterns and guidelines for Swift. Um, we didn't have that last year. I think people have struggled to kind of define their own guidelines over this past year, and and I'm sure Apple's been paying attention to that and will provide their flavor of what's the right and wrong way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, not that I can't think for myself and, you know, do figure out what I think is, you know, a good way to to write Swift, but, you know, just just from the all the Cocoa like APIs and, you know, from seeing other code out there, example code and stuff, it it helps teach you like what the what good patterns are and I mean, heck, we got to the point where some of those patterns that developed became like compiler features to deal with memory <laughs> management. So, it it may be important to kind of standardize some of that stuff at some point. Yeah, that would be it'd be interesting to see if, say, they did come up with a Swift persistence framework to replace core data. I'm not so sure that that would happen at this point. That's not a small undertaking, and core data has got a decent foothold out there now. Uh, yeah. I don't. I think if you were to rewrite it today in a functional language like Swift, it would definitely look different and have some... You, they would be able to approach the problem differently than they did back when Core Data was first introduced. But Well, it would be interesting to see how functional of a take Apple would actually go, you know, how far they would go with the functional paradigm versus imperative yeah yeah i guess my guess is that anything from apple is not going to be super functional they may give us some language features to kind of enable you know some some nicer stuff but i, I can't see them you know being like oh, all right the new ui kit is <laughs> this this you know like a react native style or some more functional way it's just not mainstream enough i guess yeah yeah but it, we might have a new ui kit version or something that plugs on top of that so you're you're talking about the rumors we heard earlier this year or signs of a ux kit something that bridges the gap between app kit and ui kit yeah so that would be that would be interesting if they really did start down this unification path it would definitely follow along the path that they've already started with the handoff and and whatnot yeah i think last year there was some clear direction and initiatives to make ios and os 10 work well together and a lot of the libraries had fairly equal level of support and updates you know with things like sprite kit Sync kit, um, you know, we we saw a lot across platform in our world anyway. Uh, solutions last year, so <laughs> hopefully that theme continues and it gets even better. I would be kind of excited about UX kit. I probably have said that before on the podcast, but I'd like to see a larger number of high quality apps on OS ten. And given the number of iOS apps out there and iOS developers, I could 
reducing the friction to getting to OS 10 would be would be great. Yeah, the Mac App Store is kind of a wasteland right now, and it's you know Apple started using UXKit themselves last year. We saw it pop up in I think at least two of their apps, uh, and there's been other. Has there been more than two? Photos, I know for sure. I think Xcode has it. Oh yeah, it does. You're right. So we'll see if we get it. Uh, if, if Apple uses it anywhere else, but I'm, I think there's been other libraries that started like that uh, that eventually became, you know, public frameworks. Uh, I think the XPC stuff started that way. There's lots of, even some iOS frameworks, it's like, hey, look at this cool new thing, and then the next year we, we got that library fully formed, kind of, so... How how far do you guys think that UX Kit will go? Is it is it just going to be Mac and iOS, assuming that it exists, or is it going to extend to maybe the Watch SDK? Maybe that's why we haven't seen the native Watch SDK yet because they're waiting to get this UX Kit stuff ironed out, and maybe you know whatever platform Apple comes out with. For a minute there, I thought you were going to say, "Are we going to see it on Windows 10?" <laughs> and so Microsoft extended the uh, olive branch and see Apple return the favor in kind. Yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. They've actually done that before. Uh they had a version where of what was the framework before uh AppKit that iTunes is Carbon. Carbon oh. they they had a Windows port of Carbon. And I've seen like screenshots of people like running vms where they like compiled like some sample code for for windows wasn't that but, mostly yeah, I don't for running like itunes on and quicktime on windows yeah i think that was the main reason but okay i don't think apple has any incentive to do it for sure no <laughs> no i don't think so but you you bring up a good point um uh, about the apple watch and yeah, you know, we should see quite a bit of talk about Apple Watch this year, and and we were promised a native SDK. Whether that has UX Kit as part of that or not, hard to say. But I, I'm excited to see a native watch SDK where we can do. What exactly did they promise us? I. I know they've promised a native SDK, but I don't know. Was if there any time why. frame? They promised yeah. this year. That doesn't guarantee June, but okay. there's an assumption that it'll be part of the announcement in June. Um, but who knows? I mean, the watch hasn't been out that long. It's only been a... For some people, it's only been a few weeks since they received their watch. Yeah. Or, the, or the some are still waiting. Are still waiting, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know if we should have high expectations that there will be any major revisions there or or new features but yeah i definitely have some projects that we're hoping for a native sdk just for the performance and animation capabilities of running it natively well and just being able to read the different sensors on the watch yeah i wonder if they'll they'll have that stuff ready i mean it seems like they went to a decent amount of effort to release what they did and it seems like software was actually the thing that held back 
the Apple Watch from being released, you know, months earlier. So I wonder if they're still a little bit behind, uh, you know, getting some of that stuff out. Maybe maybe it'll be later in the year, or maybe it'll, you know, bleed into 2016. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of... Unless it was, like, waiting on UX kit or something like that, I, I think it might be a while before we, we see the native watch SDK. You might be right. Yeah, I don't think it would have UX kit just because the watch has, is a fairly limited device. And you definitely wouldn't want to put another layer between you and the hardware. I mean, one thing's if, you know, based on the, the fact they've extended the the conference by half a day, you know, we're expecting that we're going to get a ton of new content, more so than previous years. So... Although still, that's only like a, I don't know, like five or ten percent increase. <laughs> right, but we no longer have the repeat sessions because yeah. they're now on video, and now they've extended by half a day. Um, but they do have the whole new watch platform. Even if they don't do native, they still yep. have lots of things to talk about with creating watch apps. Uh, well, and there's a lot of new stuff last year that's not going to be new this year. So there's got to be some some big stuff to fill in all that time for sure. Right. Yeah. And one of the things we've been hoping for for a while is an Apple TV SDK. Right. You guys mm-hmm. think we'll get it this year? I sure hope so. <laughs> I've thought that every year since <laughs> 2012. Yeah. Like the... Yeah, I, re- I don't know. I, yeah. I remember being there two years ago. <laughs> talking to Apple engineers before the keynote and you know trying to pry out of them whether or not we were going to get an Apple TV SDK they're quite mum yep (laughs) (laughs) so we were optimistic then we're still optimistic but it's been two years now since that yeah and I've held off buying the Apple TV 3 because I only have a 2 which isn't supported now, but I've held off on buying the three because I think there will be a new Apple TV announced, and I'll I'll want to buy that hardware instead. Well, if it makes you feel better, Sam, I finally bit the bullet and replaced one of my Apple TV twos with Apple TV three, so they're they're due to screw me over a little bit <laughs> on that. Well, you know, well, last I saw, you could still eBay that Apple TV two for a nice little sum of money. I actually am using it right now in the nursery. <laughs> so the, the the child that is not yet born at the time of this recording already has their own TV and Apple TV, which is kind of sad. But <laughs> it's, it's for it's for the feeding at you know two a.m. at night or whatever. <laughs> at least the TV is not in hand, so yeah, it's just waiting on the outside. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I think we'll get it this year finally. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So aside from any other things like that, dev tool wise, I would say new Xcode bots perhaps. Maybe it won't be session worthy. I don't know. So what do you think's new with it? Like we talked about a lot of continuous integration on a previous episode, and you know the bots are kind of stuck just uh just for people who are only doing ios there's not really good integration with other systems uh what are you expecting to to see maybe or what do you want (laughs) 
Well, I don't know if I want anything from the bots. I just think it's probably an inevitable thing. They're they're not going to stop on this product. I mean, it, it is a nice CI light tool, and, and maybe it'll move into a higher realm. Uh, maybe you could eventually run, say, your server CI as well as your iOS app CI all with the Xcode bots. That would be kind of nice. I think one of the big things missing is just an access control list so you can control who can see which projects. I think if I had that, I'd consider replacing my build server for iOS with the Xcode bots just because it integrates better with with the whole provisioning files and and code signing. Yeah, and it is nice to that, that it really does integrate easily, much easier than some of your command line tools. Yeah, yeah. I guess one thing that that I want for sure is better integration with UI automation scripts, uh, because that's really kludgy right now to even do from the command line, much less in Xcode bots. Um, so that'd be really nice. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll see a new improvement on UI automation. That would be interesting. And I think also, if you think through all the things we have to do now, all the different screen sizes, you know, creating screenshots and preview videos and you know screenshots for the watch apps, there's a lot of manual labor to generate that each each major release. So. So if they can do something to help streamline that, that would be excellent. Yeah. And and so we're pretty sure we're going to get an iOS 9. That seems inevitable, right? Yeah, I think if nothing else, the analysts expect it. So if they don't do it, they'll get crucified. And Even if... Yeah, even if it could have been called iOS 8.5 or whatever, they'll call it iOS 9. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll get our Snow Leopard release. That was one of the rumors a while ago. We'll see if it, you know, comes to fruition, but yeah. At the same time, we've had so many point releases, more so than at least from my perspective, more than we typically get. And they've been turning around updates faster than I would have than previous years, so I mean, we're. Yeah. I, I don't think we're going to get another version before June now, but I didn't expect 8.4, so. Well, we're recording this a little early. Do you think that 8.4 will go gold before Dub Dub hits, or is that going to be more of a July kind of thing? I thought it was going to go live then because that was when uh, they have the built in music app. They said it was going to be available. The refresh of that, they were going to announce it at like Dub Dub yeah. was is one of the thoughts. Yeah, so. that's the that's yeah. the major new feature for eight four. That's pretty much all of it. Yeah, yeah. And that there's the Beats Music service, and then the the redesigned music app. So that's probably going to be part of the keynote, and it'll probably be production in everybody's hands that same day, and then we'll get iOS nine beta for developers that week as well it'd be nice maybe if they module modularize some more of ios 9 so that apple didn't have to only update its apps especially if there's horrible bugs you know once a 
year with like updating the whole OS, like, oh, we need to fix a bug in mail, so we just pushed a mail update or something like that. Well, it would be nice to be able to, say, remove the podcast app or the, the watch app if you're not using any of those. And that Compass app I use all the time. I'm glad that you can't remove that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. think one thing I expect with iOS 9 is they'll drop support for the older hardware that is the three and a half inch screens. Yeah, anything based on that uh, A5 chip, which yeah. is in the 4S. I don't know. The, you, you really think they're going to get rid of the, the iPad mini and the iPad 2 support? There are so many iPad 2s that they sold. Yeah, I think that's... I, I'm fairly confident the 4S is going to get dropped. It's the. I'm on board with that. It's the. I think you're right. There's a large market there with the iPad too, especially in the academic space. I'd like to see it get dropped, just so we no longer have a (laughs) non-retina device. (laughs) Yeah. But I I think you're right. It's there's going to be pressure to keep it. They're still selling iPad Minis today. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I... although it wouldn't be the first time that they literally like killed off support for a device they were still selling with an OS announcement. I think they've done that with various iPod touches. Uh, that's the only thing that's really coming to mind, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, that uh, fifth gen iPod touch even is on based on the four or the A5 chip as well. Yeah, it's a, a bit of a dog. Running yeah. iOS eight or seven. So seven it handles all right. Well, to a point. I mean, it's depending on what you're doing. But like, if you do a heavy animation, I've definitely it's a totally different experience. And uh, you know, partially because it's not a sixty-four bit chip. So I don't know. I won't be sad to see that one go. I would like to see. Well, wait. We talk about hardware, but um, in terms of features for iOS nine, are there any? Is there anything that you expect to see, or want to see in iOS nine that isn't there already? Well, it seems like one of the rumors was Siri is going to be redesigned to look like it does on the Apple Watch, which makes sense to me. I can see that there. Does that mean uh, we'll get three D emoticons as well? <laughs> Ooh, they, they might want to just keep that as a watch-only feature so you can feel like the elitist watch user who can send weird 3D emoji. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you could ask, what does Android have that that we don't have? Ooh, lock screen widgets. That's one. Being able to, say, add your own, something like a Today extension, but have that on your lock screen. That, that would be a nice feature. I'm betting they still won't do that. We might get something like akin to the watch complications, which are like a more limited form of that maybe, where you can somewhat customize your lock screen a little more, maybe throw a, a date or weather or something like that on there. But I, I don't think we're going to get like full-blown third-party lock screen extension type things. The, the today's screen has definitely become more useful now that you can customize it with extensions, but 
I don't think there's room to get it, make it any more useful, I guess. Do you guys ever swipe down very often and look at your today's screen? Nope, not on my 6 Plus. It's really far to reach up there. <laughs> it's impossible. I I do occasionally, but mostly because there was a notification that I missed. And I want to see what it was, which right now it's organized by apps, or at least on my phone. I don't know if you can change that or not, but I usually have to go searching to see. I'd like to see it by time. Maybe that's a setting I just haven't found yet. Oh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We definitely need a way to clear all notifications from from your uh, whatever that notification screen is called. It's been so nice to have it on the watch, and all the Android phones have it too. Yeah, yeah, I it's can't. It's a pain to go through each one. I personally can't think of a whole lot in iOS nine. You know, maybe we get access to NFC. Um, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. I'm not yeah. sure. Well, yeah, Alex then we could like have WPS or whatever, so we could automatically add our Wi-Fi passwords and stuff. That'd uh, be cool. Well, we've got profiles for that. Yeah. Argo, you brought up a good th- talk or a good idea about the complications. Maybe in WatchKit, we'll be able to make our own complications. Yeah, that could be cool. Mm-hmm. And it really, it'd be a simple API. It's just like return random string or like super small image. Yeah. <laughs> could Custom be nice. watch faces would be nice. Oh, yeah, that would be really awesome. I think Android Wear has had that for a while. And I don't know. The, the argument against that is that, you know, Apple wants, wants people to know that it's your watch, like an Apple watch, just by looking at the the watch screen well and there's copyright on some of these watch faces too so oh yeah and if you go implement a rolex face on your apple watch and there's some really ugly looking watch faces like out there on android (laughs) wear and like pebble so apple maybe johnny i like no i'm not gonna let that happen i won't let that garbage on my you know pristine (laughs) products i think we're also going to be relying on native apps for watch faces as well that's not something you want to be like a remote view no apple's apple spent a lot of energy making sure precision is there with with the, the time aspects for sure yeah but it would be kind of fun to create a berlin clock watch face I don't know if, you've ever, if you guys have ever seen that. Or bin- interesting binary clock. Or <laughs> There's <laughs> plenty of ideas. I, I, I could see people making a decent amount of money making custom watch faces. Definitely. So are we going to get a new version of Mac OS X? 10.12? Are we going to... 10.12? Yeah. Well, some other... Instead of 10.12, it'll have some other California landmark name. Wouldn't we turn it up to 11 and get 10.11 before 10.12? Yeah, Sam's just looking <laughs> way in the future. <laughs> I'm, I'm pre-recording for next year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 10.11 doesn't sound that good, but 10.12 sounds much better. Maybe we get OS 11. What do you think? Hmm. 
No. <laughs> well, it would you definitely, don't think so? It would definitely help to keep all those guys from saying OS X. <laughs> yeah, that well, would help. Well, I mean... Let's let's assume that my prediction is right about this new UX kit thing. Maybe that's the the big redesign or, or thing that makes makes us be able to say, "All right, this is eleven. It's not just ten anymore." That could be, just, yeah. Just throwing stuff out there. <laughs> well, wouldn't you have to call that UX uh, I kit? I guess at that point. What <laughs> UX I kit? <laughs> Why for, would it be that? For 11. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, no, the X is for experience. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would be great because it would really throw off Microsoft again. They'd have all that work to do once again. Yeah, they're finally, they've caught up with, with Mac OS. They're at 10 soon. <laughs> yeah. Or they, I think they will be by the time, whenever the next version comes out. Well, I'm just talking about their their cross-platform stuff for running on Windows 10. I know there are features in OS 10 that were demoed last year that still don't work reliably on Yosemite, so you know, I, f I feel like the update's going to be kind of a Snow Leopard bug fix update and maybe more, more cross-platform integration or sharing with iOS. I just remembered two other features that we've kind of seen hints of or even some partially been announced before, but we haven't seen that we may get in the next versions of iOS. Uh, the improved maps, to maybe to add like public transit. It seems like Apple's been buying companies to do that stuff for years, so maybe we'll finally get that. And then also a split screen for the uh, iPad has been rumored yeah. forever and there were hints of that back in ios 8 betas so maybe we'll finally get that and that kind of plays into the prediction for a new ipad pro or yep. large screen ipad which seems like there's some weight behind that rumor that keeps popping up a lot yeah yeah It'd also be kind of go to apple giving us a lot of these tools for years like auto layout and the uh, I don't know what's the thing called where you can specify different screen sizes and do different layouts. The simulator, the size or classes. Yeah, size, size classes. It's horrible. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, that... Uh, but yeah, it seems like they've given us little bits and pieces of tools for years to kind of enable us to have an app display at any resolution. So it seems like that would be kind of the ultimate. Like, oh yeah, we've been planning for this. Now it all should work together. Yeah, I can see how the size classes would play well with the split screen interfaces. Yep. Yeah, you know, we you know, it just all falls into that adaptive UI and not being dependent on screen sizes. Yeah, but then then again like the adaptive UI stuff tends to uh, from what I've heard, people will think, oh, I'm just going to make a really big iPad app out of my phone app and not really rethink the whole iPad experience. In a way, that's kind of what Apple's done or encouraged people to do to some degree. You know, Instead of thinking about how it's going to be used, more about the real estate available. So is it compressed or regular? 
Um, so it, it it's, def it's definitely a, a change of tone, at least I f the way I I saw it from starting with iOS 7 of the iPad now isn't that distinct of a device. Yeah, well, actually in all the stock apps, most of the time the iPad app was a phone app with a split view controller thrown on top. Right. So that Apple hasn't been the most unique about making or good about the best about making unique iPad experiences. It almost seems like the iPad has a little bit of a identity crisis as of late. I mean, their their sales have even gone down a little bit. People are like, "Oh, well, I can just use my, you know, my five and a half inch phone. Why do I need a a tablet?" And they're not selling as much as they used to either. Right. So, yeah, you're it's, over it's like they did it to themselves. Down. Yeah, maybe the iPad yeah. Pro is their answer to that, and they'll have some cool new stuff that you couldn't do on the iPad, but. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of a weird thing that Apple's done. Maybe it'll have a keyboard and a kickstand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. You can quote me on this. If you see a kickstand, they've blown it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to switch over to Android full-time. Yep. Speaking of Android, I mean, they've been sitting there with this adaptive UI stuff that we slack like is new on iOS for years. Like, hey, what's the big deal? We're over here. What? I mean, the web's been doing it for years. Android's been doing it, so. Yeah. Yeah, Android's had their way of adapting the UI based on size for a long time. They're very flexible that way, but they've had to be. We've only recently had to be. Right. Which, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's That's probably the biggest motivation for going to the flat design over the skeuomorphic design is just so you can scale easily yeah so we're not going to see the return of any wood or felt i don't know you can do vector patterns now so you know it, it could happen we could see it come back if the tools support it better so why don't we uh briefly talk about what what new hardware we think we might see yeah the obvious one the the big one i th that the rumors are fairly confident about is the new apple tv and that's that's a piece of hardware that hasn't been updated for a while and lots of competition from chromecast and amazon fire Stick. so you know what it will actually end up being is hard to say but i definitely expect to see a new apple tv yeah that would be a nice thing. I I would purchase that real fast. Yeah, I don't expect WWDC to be heavy on hardware. I think last year was kind of nice that they made it very much a developer conference, and they had Chris Latiner up on stage during the keynote, uh, which you know speaking to developers, and that's as far as I know the first time they've ever done that, at least in in recent years. So in the iOS era of WWDC, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, but so I I'm kind of hopeful that they keep it very much a developer-centric conference. Um but I could also see new computers being launched uh with new chipsets 
you know, they've been, they might not get any, any stage attention. It might be just something they announce before or after the conference or just quietly gets updated, but unless it's a major redesign. Well, I think they'll, they could definitely rev the Mac Pro and the MacBook Pro. The Mac Pro is getting a little long in the tooth at this point. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of their hardware has been held up by Intel getting their new chipset out, so um, I, I'm guessing they've had some new designs sitting there waiting for those chips, so yeah. if if not during that week, I think soon after we'll see new computers, but I, I, I'm hesitant to say that they'll give stage time to to hardware, especially if, if they have other hardware like the Apple TV that it's completely new. Uh, you know, pr- assuming that the Apple TV is more than a just a rev of the existing one. Well, the Apple TV could be that one more thing that we all expect, but think, oh, at the last minute, are they actually going to do this or not? Yeah, Swift was that one more thing last year that took Apple TV's place, I think. Yeah, yeah. I kind of expect iPhone success to be something they announce later in the year. I don't. Yeah. I don't see that. It, it, timing wise, I don't see it as a a June announcement. It's definitely been a fall idea for a long time now. And considering people won't even have received their watch that they ordered, <laughs> um, a lot of people anyway. Um, with chip no. dates right now at J- July, right? So, yeah. so no new watches. Yeah, that would be very unexpected if they did. And lots of returns <laughs> happening <laughs> the next day. I don't even think they'll come out with one in the fall just because of of that those ship times going into July. Yeah. There would be a lot of angry customers if they finally if they had to wait 3 months to receive their watch. And then three months later, they have a new announced watch. They did that with uh, the third-gen iPad, I think, though. They came out with that, and then later that same year, I think, they came out with the fourth-gen. Yeah, and they revved that one pretty quick. Well, the second-gen to the third-gen was a pretty quick rev, too, I believe. Wasn't it? Yeah, we'll we'll see. One thing that's kind of interesting to me is presumably... They've added Force, force Touch to to the Macs. They have it on the watch, although I don't. I think it's not as cool on the watch as it is on the Mac. But presumably, you know, the next iPhone and iPads are going to have Force Touch. But it seems like if if it was a big deal, you'd probably want to add software support for that. And it could be one of those things where you know, right when they announce it, there's a point release to iOS. But it seems like Force Touch is a a big enough thing that you'd want to, you know, let people get their hands on it ahead of time. I don't know. Yeah, that could definitely be a fall thing, though. And really, the Force Touch on the Mac was just another gesture, right? But isn't it already mapped into some gestures? Or or am I mistaken? Well, you could, there's definitely, like, new API to... to that lets you trigger things. Okay. It's it's not just like, oh, this other thing that we already had, now there's a new way to trigger it. It's, even though that's kind of what the implementation is some places, 
there's like a new API, I believe, to handle that stuff. Okay, but yeah, the, most of the functionality was pretty much covered by right click or okay. option click. And on the phone, it would be double tap or long press. Mm-hmm. Although there's not like a that's not like a existing paradigm that's used in default apps a lot. So there's not like a bunch of existing functionality they could just automatically map to it, I guess. Right. I mean, I'm sure the implementation may just be a new gesture recognizer, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think the remote for the Apple TV will look like? There are rumors that'll be bigger than the existing one and will have a a touch screen or some sort of touch interface on it. So we could have even forced touch on the Apple TV. I don't like that. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll put the Taptic engine in, in there too for gaming. Yeah. Maybe for like a game controller type thing, but really like the only thing it really needs in my mind is like a little pinhole for a microphone. That's the only thing it's really missing that that's out there on other remotes. Maybe there's something that'll blow us away. Like I don't see like a gyroscopic remote. That just seems goofy. So is the microphone is the microphone for Siri integration or for the karaoke apps? Oh, Siri, please. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> a headset jack would be nice, I think. Although not not extremely useful, but some of the uh, higher-end Roku's have a headset headphone jack in their remote. Now, why not just like let you airplay your audio from the Apple TV to an iOS device? Kind of a reverse airplay. Yeah, I mm-hmm. could see that. There's a lot I... more battery. Like I think that would kill a battery trying to do that on a remote. Yeah, that would that would be difficult. But I do like the idea of my kids having headphones on while they watch the TV. <laughs> well, <laughs> when they get up super early in the morning on Saturday to watch TV, it'd be nice. Yeah. You might need like a multicast version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they'll be fighting each other and wake you up anyway. Yep. I don't know. My I sit pretty far away from my TV. I don't know if Bluetooth would work well there. It's about thirty feet, right? Uh, for a for a good quality stream, and also I think it's kind of kludgy to connect Bluetooth devices if you're not always using that device for sound output. Like if you have it paired and set up so that it like gets output when you turn it on, that's cool. But if it's like sometimes I want to use this, sometimes I want to use that. I mean, you have to like go and unpair and and tap on it or, and stuff. Like, yeah, it seems like Bluetooth is kind of a Kludge when selecting devices. Yeah, it can be for sure. That's where NFC comes in. <laughs> oh yeah, forgot. <laughs> so yeah, if any of these predictions come true, uh, what do we win? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> We win the opportunity to uh, max out our credit cards, I guess, buy new hardware. Oh, yeah. Save your money now. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm sure they'll come out with some things out of left field that we haven't even thought about. And maybe, yeah, it's in some other platform already, but not come to ours yet. And Apple will have their own take on it for sure. (laughs) 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we get. You know, summers will be uh, full full of beta bits. So, all right, guys. Uh, you want to tell us where you can find you on the internet? Uh, I'm Alex Argo on Twitter. I'm AJ Robinson on Twitter. I'm Sam Corder on Twitter, and the podcast is at Shared Inst on Twitter. The website is sharedinstance.com, where you can also find the show notes. We can also be found on iTunes, and if you guys could take a moment to leave us a rating and a review, we do appreciate the feedback, and we read it whenever we get it. So thanks, guys. Talk to you later, after the keynote.